session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. I wanted to start off the show today talking about something that is definitely sad and heartbreaking, but um, as is often the case, the sad things deserve our attention because we can see if we can make this better or make the situation better. And so many of you might be familiar with the situation with this very young girl named Delara. Um, You might have seen her on social media. I saw her on many many people uh, posting online. But Delara is a young girl, I think not quite two years old, because that's actually related to what is going on here. But she's a very sweet, cute, lovely two-year-old girl. Maybe you've seen her pictures and videos already. And sadly, she is dealing with um, a medical condition known as spinal muscular atrophy. It's also abbreviated as SMA. And uh, her family, they are in, I believe, Tehran, but in Iran. And they are desperate to try to get treatment for her, for their daughter, so that she can develop as close uh, as possible to normal physical development. I don't know all the details, and I saw some videos and things about the disorder and how it affects the the child or it affects individuals, Um, but she is in need of some treatment. And the treatment, it's it's heartbreaking when you consider how expensive the treatment is. Um, And actually, if you Google what's the most expensive medication, what comes up is Solgensma, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but Solgensma is number one at $2.125 million, U.S. dollars, over $2 million um, for a uh, for this drug, for a course of treatment. And so, and as you can imagine, in Iran, with funding, uh, the, the transfer of currencies, that's even more uh, of a large number to try to achieve. So this family... Uh, this mother and father are trying to raise this money, and um, I hope you will participate as well. I made a donation last night, and I actually wanted to post it before my show, but I'll put it on my social media so people can find it themselves. But also there's a Facebook page, um, Delara Help SMA, which has over 500,000 followers at this point. Um, and it gives you some more information, but also can guide you towards finding how you can also help uh, to donate money and last I had heard they'd raised over half of that uh, two million over a million dollars which is wonderful which means many people have um, given their support to this 
young girl and to, to her family, which I think is wonderful. And I hope people will continue to to support because uh, I think within a few months, there is a critical period of when this medication can help prevent damage from happening, which might be irreversible. So I think before she turns two, if I understood correctly, which is in four or five more months. So time is definitely of the essence. And I hope you will donate money if you can and you feel uh, that you would like to. Again, I'll post something, but you can find it. It's all over social media right now. And thankfully, with the internet and technology, it's very easy to make a contribution. It took me um, I was actually on the wrong website, but once I got to the right place, it took me, I think, one or two minutes to make that happen. So I hope you will do that. And it's it's heartbreaking, of course, to see a child going through this. Um, you know, sometimes when I drive by a children's hospital, um, I have this like very mixed feelings. First, I'm so heartbroken that there's kids that have to be in the hospital. There's children that are sick and dealing with illnesses and, and different types of disorders that they need help with. But of course happy that there's people there to help them doctors professionals nurses the whole staff that's contributing to taking care of these kids as we should be doing as a society but i'm thankful and grateful to them for being there and and doing that for them so i'm grateful the hospital is there but sad that there have to be children that have to be in that hospital and so this this young girl could use our help in getting that medication so i hope you will help her um, to get this medication, which is again over $2 million, which is another part that's heartbreaking to me when I see this story because, you know, you see this family and the, the mother and father talking about their little girl and seeing, you know, as she got a little bit older as a baby that maybe something was not quite right and they did some tests and found out that she has this issue, um, which which is uh, the spinal, um, let me make sure I'm saying it right, uh, spinal muscular atrophy and the father's heartbroken I saw this video of him crying and saying he because he saw and he saw how expensive the treatment was and they'd almost given up hope but um, then they thought maybe through social media it's possible and they slowly were able to gain some momentum and now it's gained a lot of momentum and we'll see hopefully they can get to that goal but the part where it's even in question I think is very sad and so some of what I might say I know it can come off idealistic or simplifying things and I know resolving these types of issues are very complicated but I think we can't just ignore them and we don't th want to accept it as well that's just the way it is or the way it has has to be and that's what we tend to do when we see something in the world that doesn't quite make sense and it doesn't make us feel good we have a few options and I did actually talk about this a bit on Monday's show but I'll continue on that theme this idea that, well, we can either try to do something about it to make things right, whether it's for ourselves or someone else. You're, you know, thirsty or you're upset about something. You can have some water or you can do something about whatever the situation is. The other option we have is to change our mind about it in a way or the way we think about it. So you find out, you know, you didn't get this job. At first, you're disappointed and you don't feel good. You might then start telling yourself, oh, you know what? It's uh, maybe it wasn't even a good job anyway. Or I don't, I'm not even sure if I wanted to change my job at this point, moving and all that stuff. So you come up with these reasons to make you think that maybe it's not bad. Maybe I don't need to feel bad about this because you recognize you can't change the thing that's making you feel bad. And so the same thing happens with things in the world or when we see people suffering. Because when we see someone suffering, it doesn't feel good to us. As humans, we have this 
empathy, mirror neurons, a whole bunch of things that make us not feel good when we see someone suffering. And that's a good thing. It's adaptive so that we help one another. Um, and so we either decide, let me help. But then sometimes if we think we can't help, or if there's too many people to help, it's easier to come up with a reason why maybe it's okay for things to be the way they are. Maybe this is just the way the world is. Or one of my favorites, by favorites, I mean, I dislike it very much, is when people say, well, you know, life just isn't fair. Um, yes, I, I know that life is not fair, but it doesn't mean we just accept any injustice or any suffering because of that. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Yes, no matter what we do, we probably won't be able to create a perfectly fair, just world. Bad things just do happen even out of human control, natural disasters, in this case, an illness. Things still happen, but I think it is our duty, responsibility, and should be our goal to try to move towards more justice and removing the suffering in the world. So that should never be your end point. Well, the world isn't fair. Yes, the world isn't fair, but what can I do to make it more fair? What can I do to reduce the suffering that is there? And if I don't do that, I should actually feel bad about that, that I'm not doing what I can do if I'm not helping people when I can. So we want to be very careful. The mental gymnastics will sometimes go through to try to undermine or deny the suffering that people go through because of this very feeling that if someone is suffering and it makes us feel bad, the only ways we can either resolve it is to fix the problem or to change our thinking of the problem so we don't think it's a problem anymore. And when the problem seems too big, we tend to go to the second option because we think, well, I can't fix it. And again, this kind of happens automatically, unconsciously, unless we think about it. If I can't fix the situation, it's better not to be sad about it because I don't want to just have this bad feeling. It's easier not to feel that way. And so when you when I hear this drug is you know over $2 million, and so I understand that there's research and development and clinical trials, and it all costs money in the way that the world works. So I, I'm not saying it's just so simple. I know there's definitely a lot of factors involved. But to imagine that this medication exists, it's sitting somewhere in a vial or however this medication is, you know, held. It's somewhere in some room in some location, and this child's life will be seriously improved if she, if she can take that medicine within a certain amount of time. But it still might not happen. And again, I know that can sound simplistic, but that is also the reality of what is going on. And in this case, I believe it's not life or death, but it can have a huge impact on how she will live her life. But in other cases, it's literally life and death. The medication is in some room. It will save someone's life, a child, an adult, whoever it is. And the medication just won't get to them and they die because of money, because they don't have enough money to pay for the medication. And so, yes, again, we can say the world is just not fair, but do we think this makes sense? that we can just accept this state of affairs, that this seems advanced to you, or that you can't even imagine a more advanced society or that we can become more advanced as a society where this would not happen, where no child, no individual would die from lack of a medication that we actually have already. I mean, it almost seems obvious as I'm saying it that this should be the state of the world. And again, it's not that I know the exact plan to get us there, but I know that we have to care about it and we can't accept the status quo as good and good enough or even the best that we can do. Sometimes that's what we tell ourselves. 
well, you know what, maybe this is just the best it is, which is pretty silly and naive because throughout history, people have thought that about a variety of things. Well, this is as advanced. We can't make any more patents. I forgot how many years ago that was before, you know, even things like the television and all sorts of electronics we have now. Maybe there's no more patents that are possible was something that people thought. Um, we even think this, well, we've made a lot of progress when it comes to racism. Maybe that's it or uh, gender equality or LGBTQ issues or whatever it might be. We we like to think, well, this is it. But that's all we've been able to do so far, which is always how we're going to feel that right now, this is as advanced as it gets now. But that we can't imagine better is kind of crazy to me. So, of course, this should not be the way things are. And how we figure that out, probably government has to be involved in some way. I know people don't like that, but I don't think the free market it has, is actually very good in a lot of things. But if we just let things be, this is what can happen. A medication can cost so much money to develop and to have, and then to make money, it's a company. And based on the market, it has to sell it for a certain amount. And that amount is over $2 million. Um, and that's even in the US, something that almost the fraction not even a percent, way less than a percent of families would be able to afford if they had to pay out of pocket. But imagine a family in Iran and what they are going through. So I hope we won't accept that state of affairs. And even as I'm talking and I was thinking about her, there is that heartbreaking additional thought that she's not the only child suffering and she's not. And this is where this concept of the collapse of compassion, which relates to what I was talking about earlier, comes in where it's like, oh, that overwhelming feeling there's too many kids to help that all deserve our help. And so unfortunately, what that makes us do is to try to not think about it to somehow justify that maybe that's the way it is. And I can't do enough about it. So let me just not do anything. So sadly, rather than helping even one child, when we find out millions of children might be suffering, we might say, well, that's, I can't fix it. And we have to challenge this actively because it is the natural tendency we go to, which is that if I can't fix a problem, it's going to be too painful to get myself involved in any way because the resolution of it, the end of it is going to be that it's still there. So I'm still going to feel this negative feeling. Let me see how I can get rid of this negative feeling in some other way, which is going to involve not thinking about it, justifying that it's okay. Uh, you know, things happen, maybe God had a plan for these kids, so they're feeling this way or going through this, which I think, again, it's crazy, then you should never do anything, because everything you're doing, uh, if you're saying there's God's plan, why are you interfering in any way with anything? We're taking actions in life, so whatever actions you're taking, um, in essence, could that be part of God's plan, even in a way? I mean, these things get very complicated, but we have to be very careful not to explain away the suffering of others, and I really hope, rather than being discouraged, it will encourage you to help more kids and help more people, not just children, anyone that you can help in whatever ways that you can. And except from the beginning, you're not going to solve any type of global issue yourself. Maybe even in your lifetime, you might not even make a dent. But if you look at your life, would you like to have looked back and thought, I did a lot to help at least? I did make my contribution to the most that I could contribute. And it's going to be something for future generations to continue as well. But we definitely want to make sure we're not discouraged by the fact that we're not going to solve a problem completely, because if that's the case, then we'll essentially do nothing to help the suffering of anyone, because we never can solve a problem completely. So I hope you will help with uh, the case of Delara. Again, it's a time sensitive issue only a few more months. So if you'd like to contribute, I will post that on my social media, but you can easily find it. It's really a lot um, on 
Instagram and other places as well. And I do hope that we keep that in mind, that we can help and it's our responsibility to help others and to make sure that when we look back on our life, one of the regrets we won't have is that I could have done more to help others. All right, let's go to our first commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I think one of our callers wanted to talk about the issue I just discussed of, of Delara. So let's bring uh, that caller on. Caller, are you there? Uh, are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Thank you for calling. Hi, and thank you for uh, doing such a uh, beautiful program. Uh, I was going through uh, what you said about uh, the uh, little girl, two-year-old, mm-hmm. and the two and a half million you said? I, it, it's uh, from what I saw, two point one to five million, something like that. Let's say two million. Yes. Uh, I have an ethical question for you, doctor, and sure. that is. Uh, uh, but you know, with that two million dollars, with this rate of uh, twenty-five thousand two month per uh, one dollar, mm-hmm. uh, how many kids you can save with a yeah. little bit of uh, that uh, for each uh, girl, like uh, thousands of uh, mm-hmm. girls and boys uh, on the uh, earliest stages of life, and you can take care of them uh, rather than take care of one. Mm-hmm. What would be the ethical issue for you? I, I, th- I think these are very challenging questions because, um, you know, there's also the part that, and you're, and you're right now there is a reality, but that it should not have to come to that, that we can take care of all the children um, everywhere in the world. We have that capability 100%. That's not in question. Um, but you're right. These are not easy questions, and people have to help in the ways that feels right to them. Um it's very sad and tough when we get into questions like who should we help out of these children who are sick because it's a very difficult question to pick one child and to not help some other child so i understand very what true, you're saying yes yeah. and, uh, you picked up a, a girl that is uh two and uh, two million dollars mm-hmm. for one person two million dollars is uh, i don't know uh, times twenty five thousand to man that will take care of uh, so many uh, you can build so many uh, hospitals mm-hmm. for the girls for the uh, for the uh, children hospital for uh, different purposes and uh, this is really uh, uh, I don't agree with you if uh, with all due respect mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we should sacrifice sometimes prioritize uh, uh, have priority for uh, uh, different cases and then go through that because uh, uh, that's not fair to the other people if there is such a thing there is such a uh, donation from mm-hmm. the people here uh, why don't they do uh, a, a, a better job of uh, taking care of uh, uh, their colleagues back in Iran, uh, mm-hmm. the, the little girls and boys uh, that they're working and uh, not working, but forget about that, just the sick people. Yeah. We're talking about a sick per- person and uh, I'm talking about thousands of uh, sick uh, uh, kids that uh, they need uh, medications and uh, it's very uh, like uh, it can be done with hundred dollar with uh, each or uh, with uh, two hundred three hundred dollar they can uh, be saved life Mm -hmm. will be saved so uh, I think about it I think I just uh, wanted to bring this up for you to think uh, twice uh, before uh, uh, advocating that for one person uh, I, I really sympathize with uh, your uh, feelings, mm-hmm. but uh, I believe it, uh, it's uh, sort of exaggerated, if I do, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, 
make the contributions and whatever else they can do to help. Um, but I appreciate yeah. you calling and sharing your your thoughts. Yeah, and one uh, last but least, uh, I'd like to ask you that if you are such a good person uh, in heart and uh, uh, otherwise everything, uh, being a doctor, Holakui's son also, uh, I would like to ask you if possible, if you have such a uh, foundation that can help uh, uh, put aside some money uh, by donation of the other uh, people uh, back uh, in outside of Iran, uh, especially in L.A., let's say L.A., uh, if we can gather some uh, uh, money for uh, uh, allocated uh, to take care of those uh, uh, kids back in Iran uh, for a special purpose. It could be for uh, cancer, for, uh, for medications, for anything you think, for vaccination. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's a much better idea to me because that's uh, desperately in need. People are desperately in need of uh, uh, such a help back in Iran. Sure. Uh, I mean, I obviously, as I said, there's more I can be doing. I can speak for myself. Um, and I, I will definitely think about that and see what else I can do. But again, I appreciate your call. And you're right. There's so many people in Iran and around the world that need our help. And even, uh, you know, I think we should send money and help people in whatever way we can. But almost everyone, wherever you're living in your own city, there's people that can use your help in different ways that not just your money, even your time can be something you can of course, give to serve. Uh, any help. Yes, yes. absolutely. So uh, I hope, yeah. I really appreciate your time sure. and uh, thank you very much. I, again, I apologize for being against uh, your mm-hmm. idea, but uh, I just wanted to bring up a, a, a subject uh, to think sure, about. Sure, absolutely. No, and please don't apologize. Uh, you know, sometimes we will see things differently and the only way we both can learn more and actually understand our own ideas more as if we share those disagreements or different perspectives because i don't think even you and i completely disagree there's some fine points where we might be seeing it differently in that this moment about this case but a lot of it is actually um we see the same thing and want people to be helped and so i appreciate you sharing uh, your input and i appreciate your time sure Thank you have so a good much. day all okay, right. all the best. Thank Have you, you too. Bye-bye. Let's go to another caller, line one, I believe. Yes, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi, thanks for calling. Hi, Dr. Halakwe. Hello. Uh, thank you so very much for all your help. I am grateful. Thank you. Uh, today, I would like to uh, talk to you about uh, my son, who is uh, 30, approximately 39 years old. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he has uh, certain problems, and I think they are uh, probably uh, depression would be at the top. Uh, there may be other problems. I am uh, hoping that uh, that I will be able to uh, uh, help him somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I talked to him uh about uh, a week ago, he agreed that he would uh, go with me or go by himself to get help. Okay. Just before uh, deciding to call you, I had thought that I will call uh, the Center for Wellbeing mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills and ask for a referral. Um, but I thought I will first uh, talk to you and uh, get your opinion before I even go that way. Okay. Um, uh, to just give you a background mm-hmm. uh, about uh, 
about my own family. I know that in my family we have depression uh, and uh, anxiety, OCD. Even uh, as uh, I learned that we also have in the family schizophrenia. Hmm. And uh, on his side of the family, who is, her mom is uh, Mexican-American, uh, born and raised here. But I noticed that in her family, in part of family, there is depression. Uh, and then there are uh, relational problems between brothers and sisters uh, from a big family, of course, she comes. And so I'm sure that there are more than I have been able to notice, uh, not being a professional, but I've noticed there are problems there too. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the least, it would be depression. Mm -hmm. uh, just to uh, give you a little bit of uh, uh, background about my son, who is about 39 years old. He, he finished his high school. He didn't want to go to school. Before finishing high school, he was diagnosed with depression at age about 15. Uh, but his, uh, uh, taking medication for him was a problem. He didn't want to take medication because he said he would have a stomach problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed that when he was uh, not even uh, out of high school, he would uh, like to drink, smoke, and got into some minor problems, but uh, he was helped out of those things. Uh, I've noticed that recently he has told me that he has social phobia. That's the first mm. time I have heard him saying something like that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I have noticed that for his situation, not being able to hold a job, not being able to get along with people at work, at home, he always tends to blame others. He never takes responsibility. Oh, he blames me, he blames mom, he blames half-sisters or brothers uh, for everything that happens. Mm -hmm. And he seems to burn bridges behind him so that he won't be able to go back or people would not let him go back or have the same relationship with him uh, as they did before. Uh, I think uh, these are some of the things that I would like uh, to mm -hmm. let uh, to tell you about that yeah. before uh, you can uh, give us some help. Oh, I forgot to mention that with his girlfriend, uh, he also has two children. They are now grown to be 10 and 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And they live with mom and mom lives with her parents. So okay. they are not really together. Okay, but and does he live with you? He doesn't live with me, but he uh, has a place which we, myself and my uh, current wife, has provided for him for free. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he lives there, and he uh, is not paying any of the expenses uh, regarding his uh, lodging. I see. Okay. So, um, you know, we're actually at a commercial break, so we'll talk some more. Um, you know, because of his age and um, even he has his own children, 
there's only so much you're going to be able to do unless he wants to get help himself. And even there is a feeling in what you're sharing that through supporting him, you know, the way you're saying that he blames others, there could be a way that he hasn't taken responsibility for his life. And so one of the ways that you might actually help him is by doing less for him, just as an idea that we can explore a bit more in the next segment as we we see what's going on and what ways maybe I can help you in, in helping him. But we'll put you on hold and bring you back after the break, okay? All right. Okay. We'll be right back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, okay. I am here. All right. So we were talking about your son, almost 39. You're concerned about him. Um, you gave me some of the generals. We only had a few minutes, including some family history from your own side, some depression and even schizophrenia, you think, from his mom's side as, as well. Um, and he is has two children and lives kind of on his own, but not exactly. From, from what I gathered... Financially, he's dependent on on you. Is that right? Oh, uh, to some extent, okay. he's uh, the place where he lives mm-hmm. is provided for him. But <laughs> excuse me okay. for uh, for other expenses like food or, or transportation, uh, it's not something that we provide for him. I believe that he's getting some help. Uh, he could be getting welfare for that. I see. Okay. Um, and so when you talk about him, you're concerned he might be depressed. He mentioned himself he thinks he has social anxiety. What What is he expressing or experiencing that makes you think he's depressed? Oh, I, uh, I really haven't been able to to do that on my own, but uh, like I mentioned earlier, when he was 15 years old, uh, he was taken to a counselor who diagnosed him to have depression and prescribed uh, medication for him. Mm-hmm. A- a- an antidepressant? Yes. Okay. And but that, for how long and, was that? Uh, that was uh, approximately. Oh, 25 years ago. Uh, no, how long did he take it for? Oh, how long did it take? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever took that regularly. Oh, okay. okay. He would go on it and he would stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I would say uh, that he really did not take that. Okay. So coming back to present day, what, what are you concerned about with him? Clearly, you think you, you want him to get help. So what is he doing, showing that's concerning for you? Oh, he doesn't seem to have a plan or a goal or ambition mm-hmm. about uh, getting up and uh, finding a job, supporting himself. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to support his family or uh, he cannot hold a job. Mm-hmm. He seemed to always have a problem with people that he works with. He goes to work for a short period of time before he is laid off or he is fired. And when I ask him, 
his answers or the logic that he uses makes very little sense, really. And uh, I'm afraid he might be even lying to me. So I really don't ask him any question. Mm-hmm. I, I know that he would not probably give me uh, the story or the facts behind uh, what has happened. I see. Okay. And what I would like to do uh, for him is to just uh, take him to uh, to a, a professional who identifies his problem and then let him decide if he really agrees or if he wants to take the next step to yeah. solve these problems for himself. I am 69 years old mm. and uh, so I would love to be able to do something for him, uh, uh, maybe uh, turn on a light so that he will see if there is something that he's suffering from mm-hmm. that has solution and he decides that, yes, I want to solve this problem and I want to get back on the right path. Well, yeah, and understandable, you, you can see that He's not taking care of himself. There's a lot that's missing. You know, even in the wording you use, I want to take him to see a professional. And I get that you want to help him and do what you can. But that feeling is that, again, it's too much that you're doing and not enough that he's going to do. Uh, and even going to a professional, I don't think for you to be in you know, the meeting or the session with him and a therapist would be the right thing. Um, to do now, yes. if, you, if you want to help him find someone, and I know financially there, there's considerations. That's one thing, but taking him is probably not the way it's going to go. It's more if you communicate with him, talk to him, show him he, you have his support, and then he's going to have to go take himself, as he's going to have to take himself uh, to wherever he wants to go in his life. Um, that probably will be necessary to shift the dynamic in that way, and. You know, when you say he, um, you know, he's had these problems working, all these things. When he talks to you, does he express being unhappy in his life? Does he say he's happy? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, in order for him to then help himself, obviously he has to think there's some kind of a problem. And if he doesn't want to change it, you can't force him to change it, or even, you know, he won't even think there's anything to change. So, what does he express to you about how he's feeling or doing in life in general? He has gone as far as saying that I am really unlucky. Hmm. Uh, Just uh, recently, a week ago, uh, when we went to eat lunch together, he he said that all my life I have been unlucky. Hmm. He doesn't say I'm unhappy. Yeah. But he goes as far as saying that, you know, I've had all these problems in my life. They... People don't like me. People are not honest with me. Mom has done this to me. Brothers, half-brothers or half-sisters have done this to me. Uh, that, uh, that the sheriff department, maybe he has had some running with them, are prejudiced, are doing this or that. But he has not gone as far as saying that, oh, I'm unhappy and I need to do something about this. 
Well, and that, that's that's, that's the hard never part. Expressed to me. Yeah, and there's two parts of that. I mean, him saying not being unhappy, although he's telling you in a way he's not happy by saying I've been unlucky. But the part of right. doing something about it, even uh, unfortunately saying I'm unlucky and people don't like me, you know, which is painful. But um, you alluded to it in the previous segment when we we're talking, and it's becoming more clear. Unfortunately, he's seeing his problems as all the world has been unfair to me or bad things have happened to me, which probably is true. But there doesn't seem to be a sense of responsibility that he has to make things more right in his world based on whatever did happen to him. And a lot of which, yeah, when he was a kid or what family have done. And I'm not saying no one has wronged him. I'm sure they have. But there seems to be a disconnect between the part where he is has some agency in what's happened to him. And the problem with that is, of course, one, in understanding what's happened to us, but not seeing that he's going to be the one responsible um, to change his life and make things different but if we're waiting for luck to change then we have to just wait and see which is out of our control and also we're taking away a lot of what is in our control and so that that is tough and that's the part that also could be challenging for him but also for you to be aware of that it's hard to convince him because you know what can happen and maybe that you've had conversations with him when you've said he blames everyone else if you blame him, likely his reaction is going to be to blame everyone else and say, oh, really, me? What about mom did this? You did this. I've had to deal with all these things. And so we're not going to and we not just with him in general, blame is not going to get us to a better place. But we do want to level with him with what he's going through and then see if there's some space where he can accept. Maybe I can do something to deal with what I've been through and going to therapy. I wouldn't even bring it up in the sense, you know, the way you mentioned it to me that he has this problem and they're going to find out the problem and fix his problem. Um, that does going to, it's probably going to come off to him like you're blaming him some more. Again, I, I, I think he needs to take responsibility, but telling him there's something wrong with you m probably won't encourage him, especially the way you're describing his mindset. He'll just get more defensive and upset with you rather than take it as this is going to motivate me to change. Um, what I usually tell people is that the language of or the mindset of you deserve help rather than you need help can be something that makes someone more willing to go in and get help because you say you need help but you're crazy basically or you, you have problems he most likely won't hear that the way you're describing him but you seem to be going through a lot or you have been through a lot you deserve help might get him in the door and then he might get some of the help and, and then we'll see but unfortunately there seems to be some kind of a the personality um issue that he doesn't see himself as responsible for his own life and that's what i'd also want you to think about and obviously even you just calling me and the efforts you're making you might be doing too much for him mm -hmm. um, as far as not allowing him to face some of the consequences of life probably you've done that throughout his life but now even more you know you can only change what's going forward um and so that's something to be aware of. And even in what we're talking about and what you do with what I've told you, that if you do too much for him, it's probably actually going to hurt him more than help him because he hasn't learned to take that responsibility for himself from what you've shared so far. Yes. Yes, I agree. Uh, on the other hand, I don't feel that I have done enough, really. That's mm -hmm. one thing. And then... Uh, uh, in our conversation, I have mentioned to him that, look, in my family, we have all these problems. Your mom's side of the family also has these things that I have been observing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I haven't really blamed him or 
pointed the finger at him. Uh, I have only said that uh, you really uh, have these inherited probably genes that maybe may be responsible for how you are how your life is going mm-hmm. and he agreed recently that he would like to see someone for help i see okay and that's that's where i would start from is that he um if he's willing to get help and i would you know make him make the steps you know what even for me people call my office and they say oh i want to make an appointment for my son or daughter and if the son, first off, they're over 18, they can't make, no one can make an appointment for them. They have to call themselves. But it already gives me a mindset of who's putting the effort in here, whether it's that yeah. the the individual who will be the client is not motivated, they're not in general taking care of things in their life, is the parent, again, I'm not saying this is the case with you, the parent is more controlling and is doing things for the child, even that the child might not want, and the child is an adult now, but uh, is the the kid of the person calling. So when this that mindset of you're going to make the appointment for him or I'm going to take him, um, that might be too much in the sense that you need to l- let him. Maybe you give him the number, even that he could figure out, but you know he's got to take those steps and go forward with that. He's going to be the one, no matter what you do, and I get it, you might want to get him started and then he goes the rest of the way, but he's going to have to show that he wants to make make those changes. You know, you said, I feel like I haven't done enough for him, actually. What did you mean by that? What was coming up for you? Oh, uh, well, uh, I remember when he was uh, small, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we... Uh, we separated with his mom, and uh, I would only see him once a week. And uh, he didn't really like that. He wanted to stay home rather than being uh, spending weekends with me. Hmm. Uh, he seemed to be unhappy to be around me or to to be separated from his mom. Um, so uh, it wasn't a family where we were all together uh, mm-hmm. for a period of time. And that, of course, uh, is is what I mean by not having done enough for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was uh, older and old enough, uh, by age 13, 14, mom, his mom remarried and... Uh, uh, my son wasn't able to live with them, didn't get along with stepfather, and didn't want to uh, come and live with me. He said he would run away if I brought him and kept him here at my my place. Mm-hmm. So he lived with his uh, half-sister for the duration of high school. And then when he was uh, older, then, of course, uh, he was uh, on his own, living with a half-brother. After his relationship with them uh, uh, went south, then he was on his own, uh, probably uh, living with his friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay. I think uh, so, for so, that reason, yeah. that's... You know, how and, I feel really about sure. myself and how much I have done for him. And, and so not necessarily that you haven't done enough for him, but that there was these challenges and complications and 
and you might have done things that hurt him necessarily, not necessarily that you needed to always do more, but it, it does seem like there was the divorce, so that could be tough, then the um, living with step-parent and then siblings, that, you know, all this stuff. It is complicated, and so as much as I'm saying it seems like he needs to take more responsibility for himself and his life. We don't want to um, undermine or deny the the suffering that he has um, gone through either. So, you know, that could be somewhere, you know, when you mentioned blame, if conversations like that come up, I don't know how they did exactly. And it's not to say he's so right and you were bad and wrong, but we can acknowledge his pain, even if he says, let's say, Dad, you know, you did this. Because he talks about other people, you know, you could just acknowledge it, but you can't say much. You can't resolve things between him and someone else. But you can say, I can see how, you know, tell, can you tell me what I did that you didn't like? You know, rather than defending yourself, and I don't know if you did, but we usually do, that's our reaction, and going away and we create kind of this push-pull dynamic, go towards him. So he says, oh, Dad, you, you know, you never blah, 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 or you made it so hard when you and Mom, you know, this happened. You say, tell, tell me what I did. I want to understand that. I can see how that was a really hard time for you. And, and so in that way, you're connecting with him and showing him, I'm trying to understand you more. Uh, I'm not going to try to defend myself. And maybe you've already done that. Um, but I think that can be more helpful and it's not to get focused on I was wrong I'm bad because he might want to end it there that see you mess you know mess things up and so that's why my life is the way it is and we don't want to end it there where it's just like okay yeah since you did something wrong um, that kind of ends the conversation but it could be important to acknowledge the genuine pain that he did go through it does seem like a challenging family dynamic and upbringing that he had and so that does have an impact so I definitely don't want to be uh, unsympathetic to the sense that he's might have had an unlucky life too in these ways that were out of his hand but then I think it's important for him to see what can he do now to make his life better yes and thank you so very sure. much for your help My I pleasure. will uh, take your advice and uh, I may I will uh, give him the phone number uh, and uh, maybe just provide him with a right to get there. But okay. I will not go any further than that. Yeah, just, you know, we got to keep in mind, he's going to have to carry himself wherever he's going to go. He's going to have to go there. You can't carry him, but I understand you want to support him. And, and it seems like it's stressful for you to see him that way. But we have to at times recognize also the guilt from the past. We can't make up for it now by doing too much. That sometimes actually is more hurtful and that balance is not easy to find. But wish him the best, but of course wish you the best. Thank you for calling. Thank you so very much. Sure. Have a good have a day. wonderful day. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Back studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hello. Yes, hi. Hi. Uh, I I have a question uh, about the the boundary in a in a marriage. I married uh, over twenty twenty some years, and I have a son. Um. He already graduated from university, and me and husband, we are living well, and we always uh, consult about everything together. We are very really good together, and we are really um, nice and kind family, and always help, if we can, we try to help others. But we have agreement, and we have um, 
some kind of boundaries in our lives that never ever involve ourselves in any other marriage because I don't like it and I believe uh, the personal and private uh, uh, issue in any marriage shouldn't talk to the friends or family. They have to go to the marriage um, therapy and consulting and my husband agrees to that one. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Uh, um, last month, uh, a family, but we don't know them yet. And we just, uh, we just uh, introduced. And uh, the, the woman just came to my husband and tried and started complaining about her life. Her husband ashamed him and... Uh, I was I was uh, further down and standing, look at them, and I felt that uh, what's going on between those two? I was curious, and it never happened in my life ever. And I felt that uh, uh, I had a bad feeling. After they finished, I just uh, um, I asked my husband to come to see me, and he just came and said, "What's going on? What are you two talking about?" He said, oh, she's complaining about her husband and talking about her issue. I said, why? Why you let uh, let her to open it up? He said, I don't know. I just was silent. I said, no, that's not right. You shouldn't. And every time, and we had a bad fight for a few days. So th- his, let me interrupt you. Just, can you hear me? Okay, just so I can, I want to make sure I'm understanding because yeah. it's kind of a little bit hard to understand what you had said. But I want to make sure I'm getting it right. You're talking about you and your husband. Sure. You know the way you look at things. We shouldn't get involved in other people's marriages. People shouldn't come to each other. Right. Should, yes. And then recently, a friend that you're not very close. I guess not so close to, if I understood correctly. Not at all. We don't know them. Okay. Came all. came to your house and then was talking to your husband about her husband yes behind her and gossiping against her husband and I was shocked when my husband said said, no you should have cut her off and I said ma'am I don't know you and I don't want to hear anything yeah if you have a problem go to the counselor and why you just stand up just listening to her that makes you make some intimacy with you well, that's what I. So there's a, obviously a few different um, things going on at the same time. One is, you know, you're saying this issue of should people talk to others about their marriages? And I think you are right to be conservative about that in general. I don't think it's something I would say no one can ever talk to anyone. It depends on who it is and how we're opening it up and what we're looking for. Because uh, I think, of course, I'm a therapist. I think it's very important for people to go to therapy to work through their issues. But I think it's difficult to say that no one could talk to anyone. So if they're going through something in their marriage, they can't talk to anyone about it. I do think we have to be careful about a few things. Sometimes we can talk to someone about our marriage and we're sharing something about our husband or wife that maybe they don't want to be shared to this third person. That's one of the reasons we go to therapy is that everything is separate. But at the same time, you know, people sometimes are going through a hard time. I don't think 
to say they never can is okay. You know, so I don't want to, I don't think it's that black and white that no one can ever say anything about their marriage to anyone. I do think more yeah. often than not, people get too involved. They tell people too much. And all of that is a big problem. So I, I, I do think you're right. I'm just making that distinction. Now, in this case, what seems more confusing for you or maybe upsetting is that you're saying you're not even close to this person and that's weird and on top of that that she came to your husband and was saying these things I, I'm it seems like there's some element of that you don't like either that she came to your husband to talk to him and that he allowed for this not just the part about we don't talk about marriages but that they had this conversation together that you didn't feel good about is that also part of what you're upset about Yes, mostly I'm, uh, I'm upset about my husband. Yes, of course. I can't control people, what they behave, what they yes. think, and what they share. I don't care, and I can't control, and I can't make any rules. Mm -hmm. But what I can make uh, um, clear is my relationship with my husband. Sure. That's it just concerning me. Yeah. yeah, that's when I ask him why you let her to open it up more. You should have cut it off and uh, uh, ask her, you know, go, sorry, ma'am, I don't know you, and you can talk to therapist or someone else while your husband is just standing over there 10 meters away, and maybe he got curious that what's going on between my wife and the other, uh, you know, gentlemen because mm -hmm. we don't know we don't know each other at all and that just every time I'm thinking about it my heart is just pounding mm -hmm. and am I entitled to be hurt I said I hurt and he's accusing me I'm jealous or I'm, I have no right and that's what he is and it just makes me sad so sad mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think, you know, going into the right to have a feeling, I, I there's something to that. But what's most important is if you're feeling it first, you need to understand it and communicate that to your husband. And then the two of you can come to hopefully some resolution. So I want you to try to understand what are you feeling hurt about? Because, yes, talking about marriages, you know, that's a principle type of thing. What is your feeling about? Is it my husband allowed this woman in? Is it my husband? Does he yes. have any feeling yes. towards this woman? Uh, Why did he let her in? I mean, what's your... Let's get to yeah. what you're feeling. Okay. My feeling is that maybe uh, because uh, that lady, it seems very aggressive and very careless about others, and she did it just to take attention or, I don't know, maybe punish or bring her husband jealousy by using my husband. And I don't want you know, anybody to play with us for their game. I, I don't want that. And my concern is that uh, because uh, we have some common uh, friends uh, and in next uh, gathering, uh, what she's going to do. And uh, maybe my husband, because I know my husband when he had a kind of uh, feeling or like someone, he's going to be kind of silent, quiet, nice, super uh, caring. But when he, he doesn't like someone, he's very aggressive, very angry man, and he's very uh, standing up for he, whatever he thinks. 
And this change, it just concerned me. Is it something going on? Or he tried to prove that he is a super nice guy or get attention from that lady? I don't know. I just got confused. Mm-hmm. And I know my husband over to him. I never had this feeling. Yeah. And uh, this feeling is just uh, going and getting bigger and bigger in my mind. Mm-hmm. And oh, maybe that, something and- is going on. Yeah, and that's the feeling. Like I said, I think it's important to try to get to your feeling because that's the most important part because that's what's telling you something. And we're trying to understand it to then for you to deal with it and probably communicate that with your husband. So it seems like there was some feeling of of jealousy or this feeling of does he want this woman to to think he likes her or is does he like her? You might be worried about. Do you have that concern that what if he likes this woman, is attracted to this woman in some way? No, I don't think my husband, my husband is a very, very honest and very loving Good. and caring okay. person. However, he has a problem too. His own problem, his own flaws, I would say. And, um, but just, um, I don't know, sometimes people like to be loved or get attention. It's kind of a like, sneaky feeling or small because he is a humble man Mm -hmm. and we always have gathering with people many women ladies I I never ever had this feeling except that 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 time Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm not jealous at all I'm very open open mind and uh, you're living in Europe so you're very open, but the song was very weird to me. I don't know. I can't. Yeah, that's maybe I said maybe that lady wants to get attention from my husband, and I don't know if next time be in the same uh, gathering, what she's going to do. Yeah. So she's going to do anything uh, harsher or something that. Uh, yeah, we don't. I, we don't know. And so it's creating an anxiety in you because you're not sure about. You're saying you're not sure how he's going to respond. Now, what's going on in her mind? We don't know. And and you said it before. We can't put too much. Uh, you know, we don't want to think about that too much because that's not really your concern. What you're concerned about is your husband. What does he think and feel about her and this whole situation? And of course, how he's feeling about you when it comes to this. So. I think you need to talk to him some more because clearly you're not feeling okay about it. Um, and you're still not sure in your mind, was it he was just trying to get some extra attention? Is he just a passive person? So she started talking. He didn't know what to say. And so he didn't stop her. A lot of times that can happen. People, yes, we would say it's a good idea if someone starts a conversation and you don't want to go there to stop them and let them know, um, I don't want to talk about this or I don't feel this is appropriate. But he might have just frozen up or didn't know or said, okay, she started saying something. Maybe even it surprised him and she started talking. And so he just said, well, okay, what is she saying? And let her finish. Um, But it seems like you have these uncertain feelings about, well, what is my husband? What was his intention? And maybe was it he wanted attention from her or wanted to be liked or loved or whatever, you know, some kind of good feeling from her. And and so it seems like you're still not clear about that. And I wouldn't worry about, am I a jealous person or not a jealous person? Clearly you're feeling some jealousy and uncertainty here. 
Every human being can feel jealousy at times. Yes, some people might feel it more often, but it can come up in a relationship. And so clearly it seems like you're feeling something there. This kind of, you probably won't get a full answer, but you have this nagging feeling of like, well, why did he let it happen? And maybe, you know, it comes back to, we've already known that we don't talk to people about this. So why was this an exception in some way? Um, and you might need to talk to him. The more you talk to him in a way that you're not, accusing him or attacking him the more likely you are to have a conversation this is going to be a conversation not you know you're going to punish him in some way but you need to try to understand and for him to understand what you felt and i wouldn't focus as much what a lot of times we do is you say well this is a wrong thing to do or principally it's not right or whatever else but i would come back to your feeling because that's what's important this is how i felt or these are the worries I have, because that's what it's going to come down to. Even if it's right or wrong in a global sense, or you find it in some textbook that people should not talk about marriages, your feeling is not just about that. It's about something between you and him and something that you're feeling within yourself. So I would focus on this is what I'm feeling. I want you to understand it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just do I have the right or is it whether or not it's about the right, you have that feeling and it's going to be important for you and him to work it out. And even you can bring up, I have this worry or concern of the next time we are together. And, you know, so this and and maybe for you, it was shocking. You're saying something like this had not happened before. So we can understand that was shocking for you and brought up these bad feelings of, well, what does that mean? What's going on? And there could be even bigger conversations about how you and him are doing in the relationship, how you're feeling, how you're feeling about each other, how things are going in the marriage. So it could even be an opening to discuss more things. And again, it's about a discussion, not just to argue or fight, to really try to understand each other better about what's going on and give him the space also to tell you what happened and give him the benefit of the doubt to some degree. That could it have been just he, I don't know, but I'm saying it's possible. The way you're saying it kind of happened maybe quickly. I understood it wrong. I thought before you said someone came to your house specifically to talk to him. But it seems like in a gathering, he, she started saying these things to your husband. And so we don't know what her intention was. And I obviously don't know what your husband's intention or thinking was. But it could have just been he was in this tough spot and he allowed her to finish the conversation and didn't know what to do or felt like it's impolite to interrupt her or to cut her off. I'm not sure, but I would try your best to have a conversation with him, owning your own feelings because your feelings are valuable. You deserve to share them. And of course, to hear his feelings as well, to express what it means to you, why it meant something important and, and see if you can come to a better place. The, the hope is that at the end of a conversation like this, you and him will actually feel closer to each other and not more distant and not angry at each other. And right now I think you feel distant from him or this hurt feeling is making it tough for you to feel good. So I hope you will have a conversation with him and it's not about figuring out who was right or wrong, but about really understanding each other better and coming together. And I hope, uh, you know, that will lead to something better for you and him. Yes. Thank you very much, Doctor. Appreciate and, your call. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry. Can I ask you if you can... Uh, Give me any uh, 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 information or something um, for a marriage therapy. If you do that or you know someone, then I can sure. call get the information. Yeah, we can let you know. You know, on the break, we'll let you know. We can give you some information about that. So just stay on hold, and, and then sure. we'll, we'll tell you on the commercial sure. break. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. Thanks for your call. Have a great day. Take care. 
All right, let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. So the, with the previous caller, um, one of the issues that had come up was this issue of I'm feeling something and how do I talk to my partner about it? And I also, this issue came up on Monday's show, and I think it's a very important one about how we think about our feelings or deal with our feelings. Very often when people bring something up because we don't think our feelings are enough or also because we don't like the vulnerability of saying we were hurt or we have a feeling um, definitely that's a big part of it too or can be the reason for some people we tend to make it about something more general or principled in the sense that we say something like um, you know it's wrong for people to do this in a marriage let's say if we're talking about something between uh, a married couple this is not okay um, you know I, or even they'll say I heard such and such therapist, doctor say this, so you shouldn't do this thing. Now, it's not to say things don't have any value as far as understanding what happened. However, what's most important here is to look at your feelings and recognize that your feelings themselves are enough. And that's the starting point. What's caused your feelings and what's going on, that that is important too and worth looking at. But if we're going to have a conversation about something that happened, you had an interaction with your partner, they did something and you feel hurt going into the generals and you know principles and those things is not going to get to the heart of what's going on the heart is in your heart it's your feelings and what you're experiencing about what is going on and that's important for you to share your feeling itself is enough of course it depends how you share it that's very important and it could be good for you to reflect on it too, to try to understand your feeling better, which will help you deal with it better and also for your partner. But your feeling itself is enough. It's not that this is wrong or this is right. And as the listener, you should have that same type of mindset too. If your partner said, you hurt my feelings, most people unfortunately go into defense mode. Oh, maybe I, I didn't do anything wrong or you're being sensitive or no, this is nothing or you're making it a big deal or you take things too seriously. All these types of things to invalidate our loved one's feelings. But if we ask ourselves, I care about this person, then if they're not feeling good, whether it's caused by you or someone else, you should care. And especially if it was caused by you, you hopefully will care a lot about trying to make it better, understanding it, healing it and, and learning from it going forward. So one of the things that's necessary for us to have this type of mindset is to have the feeling that my partner cares about me deep down which I know sounds obvious. I mean, you probably shouldn't marry someone if you don't have that feeling, but very often people can have that feeling that uh, my partner is in a way against me. And even if you see the way people talk, once things are not going so well in a relationship, it's very clear it's me against you. It's not us together. Oh, you did that. Oh, you are doing this and you don't do anything for the home or you don't do anything for that or you always do this way or you always do that way. It's just trying to win in some way the strange feeling of who's the, the better partner. And this is commonly what I experience in couples therapy, especially in the first session or sessions, this feeling that they're looking to me to give a judgment on who is the better spouse and who is bad and who is good and who is right and who is wrong uh, because that's all we're focusing on not recognizing that when we're trying to win in that way, we can only lose. 
you can't win in a relationship if you try to win against your partner. Or let's say, okay, even if I were to say, and I wouldn't, okay, wife, you are right, husband is wrong, wife wins. What's the result now for the marriage? What's the result now going forward? Uh, live in a home and the wife wears some championship belt and, and goes around like, I'm better than you. That's not going to create a good relationship. It can feel good for a moment, but it's not going to get us anywhere. So we have to actually really feel that my partner cares about me, loves me, and we would hopefully have the mindset that they might hurt me unintentionally, but they're not trying to hurt me. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that even if they did hurt me, it was not intentional. Now, saying that, I know that's not always the case for everyone. You could be with a partner who is uh, aggressive and wants to hurt you and puts you down. And some people do have the mindset that relationships, really the way they work, is you do assert your power over someone or put them down or whatever you need to do to win. So some people do have that mindset and you, you could be with a partner like that. But we would hope you're not and you, we would hope that you recognize that that can't lead to a happy relationship. But that if you aren't in that situation, that recognize that you can give the benefit of the doubt, as I was saying with the previous caller, I, I didn't know what happened yet and I don't know, but we want to at least leave that open that starting from the place of, okay, maybe it's something happened, I might be hurt, but it was unintentional. And that's also a very clear point that I want to make, that for any people to be in a relationship that is close and connected for a long period of time, you will inevitably, inadvertently, but inevitably hurt one another. It's just the only way it's possible. By hurt, I don't mean something dramatic that you have to do something devastating, but I mean that you will be hurt by one another. Things happen. You say something, the other person doesn't like what you said, how you said it, the tone. You say something in a way they, uh, a word they don't like or a way you called them, something in your behavior, either something you do or don't do. We're get hurt. That's just part of being human is we're not always going to get it right. We also don't always have great days and we might be feeling bad ourselves. Doesn't mean it's an excuse, but just the inevitability is that at times we won't always do the exact thing our partner likes and feels good. So we have to accept that as a starting point, both both partners, you know, that I will get hurt and I will have hurt my partner. So I need to express it to my partner and from the other side, not intentionally, but I'm sure I will hurt my partner and I don't want to, and I'd rather know. And that's kind of the strange thing. Would you rather not know that you're hurting your partner or you'd rather know but unfortunately when we're coming from that ego state of well i don't want to be wrong or i'm never wrong and i'm good then we don't want to be wrong more than we want to actually look at if our partner is hurt by us which should be more important which should be most important in what is going on so if we accept that this is going to happen and we accept that we'll be on both sides of it then we would hopefully encourage and try to create an environment and a relationship and the culture in our relationship where we talk about things, where your feeling is enough to have a conversation. It's not your feeling only if it can be proven in some books that what you're feeling is right or wrong um, or what I did was wrong, let's say. It's not your feeling if, you know, I feel like it or if, you know, you haven't done the same thing to me. Your feeling is enough to talk about. And it's just that, to talk about, not to punish or focusing on blaming the other person. Oh, you are bad. You're wrong. You're so this, you're so that I'm feeling this way. It's a conversation. I felt hurt and I want to share that with you. And I know it's ideal, but something we want to strive towards that the other partner says, okay, I want to hear how I hurt you. Even you would hopefully be curious. Maybe you already know, or you have a feeling of what it was, but if you don't, 
the hope is that your mindset is, oh, gosh, I hurt the person I love. I want to understand that to, to see what I did, try to make it better, apologize and learn from it. Maybe I didn't realize what I did was hurtful to my partner. I don't want to do that to them. So that is enough to, to have the conversation and we need to make it enough, meaning that we have to tolerate these uncomfortable conversations. One of the the things I try to talk about on this show and in general, the show itself at times is having uncomfortable conversation in both the topics I bring up and when callers call at times we're dealing with obviously very uncomfortable things. And so I hope to always promote that. And I know that the only way you can create and then maintain a healthy and happy relationship is to have uncomfortable conversations. It's just the only way it's possible. It can't happen without that. So when people say, oh, I don't want the drama. And yet when I say conversations, doesn't mean it has to be dramatic. But for some people, anything about feelings means you're being dramatic. Um, so does it, you know, people say, I don't want to deal with the drama or stuff. Can we just be happy or be okay? That's just not the way things go. We need to maintain things. It's like you have a car. Now, let's say it's not electric and you say, oh, I'd have to put gas in it. Can we just like drive and go? It's like, well, if you want it to keep going, you have to put gas in the car. And if you want your relationship to keep going and to be, keep going in a strong and happy way, you need to keep doing things to maintain that as well. We need to approach our relationship like a living thing. And any living thing, if it doesn't get attention and love and get its needs met, it dies. And so if you want to not talk about anything and not face any things that are going on, you have to be ready that you're choosing to have a relationship that's going to get weaker and worse and won't likely survive or at least won't survive in a healthy way that will be worse for you. Similar to your body. If you don't take care of your body, you don't have to. You don't have to do things that might be uncomfortable, but that are good for your body. But your body's going to get worse and deteriorate and not be as healthy and strong as it can be. This is the same thing with the body that is our relationship. So hopefully we have that understanding with our partner that the feeling is enough of a starting point. And maybe in the next segment, I'll, I'll continue on that. I think we have a caller, but maybe I'll say it here that also when it comes to your feeling, you should think, okay, what am I feeling? What did you know, let's say if we're talking about with our partner, what happened with my partner that I'm feeling hurt? How much of it is my own stuff that might be coming up about my past? Uh, how much of it is our past together? There are different elements to look at. So I'm not just saying, oh, I'm hurt. It's your fault. That's it. We do want to look at it. But even that's something that hopefully you do on your own. But even with your partner, you can do, oh, you know what? You know, I know we know I'm sensitive about this. And so maybe this was what you said that blah, blah, blah. So again, if we're on the same side, your sensitivities are not something that you need to hide or be afraid of or ashamed of. Hopefully we're both always working on one another in the relationship, but still are on ourselves in the relationship. Um, but nonetheless, we can have that conversation together. You know what? Maybe yeah, you said that and you know how sensitive I am about this. And so it kind of didn't make me feel good, blah, blah, blah. And hopefully the partner's open to hearing that by saying your feelings were hurt was not is not accusing you of being a bad person. It's just expressing a feeling that has come up in the course of the relationship. But let's go to our last commercial break and we likely will talk to a caller after that. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Um, hi, Dr. Holasui. Thank you for taking the time um, sure. and listening to our questions My today. My pleasure. Um, I wanted to bring up a question that I have for my 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, she's been having um, difficulties lately. She's a gymnast. 
and um, she's been doing gymnastics for 10 years. Um, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with the events that they have. Um, some of the moves that they do um, are pretty aggressive mm -hmm. and daring. And they do run and they do vaults. Uh -huh. um, she had a meet in February and she actually placed on vaults. Um, they let them do this twice. She runs once and she kind of goes on vault it, um, and then she does it again. Mm -hmm. um, she stops all of a sudden on her February meet. And now she can't do it again at all. Like she stops doing it and also Sorry, i'm not sure if i heard um, you they do did she get in did you say she got injured on one of the when she tried one time or i don't know if i heard you wrong well no 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 she placed actually, she placed oh right okay so she, she placed, placed and now she since then high. and now she's afraid to do it again yes and also on floor she can't do her back talk like and i keep asking her um like you've done it you've placed it you um you you did a good performance on it you know this um you know move you've had this skill before and what is stopping you from doing that she doesn't know i've reached out to her coach and the gym owner and they're saying this is mental block mm -hmm. and um it happens especially with her age and not to mention that she had concussion on doing um, round off back handspring once about three years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we hear mental block, sometimes the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, it's just mental. Get it out of your head. It's easy. But it's more complicated than that. I asked about injury. I guess I was wrong when I first heard you, but it seems like there is injury involved. And that obviously can strongly contribute to having this kind of a block. Even we can understand it. You know, so we're saying in gymnastics and the competition and she needs to do this she's got to do it but if we think about our, our brain and how it works it could be understandable that if something happened and lead, led to a serious injury it's going to say hey don't do that thing anymore and really like from a survival standpoint she doesn't need to do backflips and whatever else so what the brain is kind of telling her what's going on makes sense we can get it now she might want to override it or she might want to not let that happen but we don't want to approach her and like what are you like what's wrong why are you not able to do this because you've done it before the you know we're very complicated creatures even doing so well might have put more pressure on her now to do well again can i do it again was that just a fluke um I, now I better do it because if I don't, it'll be a letdown. So it might be even scarier for her to go forward and let's say do the vault again. Um, so I would be aware, you know, in how we approach this gymnastics. I don't know so much. I know some about it, but I know generally these types of sports, the competition is very high. The um, preparation is very rigorous and extreme at times. And even that could be concerning. We, of course, for ourselves, but even for our kids, want to encourage them to work hard and strive for greatness because they can achieve that. But we always have to be careful that there is a certain degree where pressure crushes rather than pushes forward. And, and it's not a black and white line that's always so clear. So those are some things for us to be aware of. I wouldn't want to put a lot of pressure on her 
um, to, to push her. I'm not saying we should just stop and say she doesn't want to do it, especially the important thing is whether or not she wants to do it. But um, I just want to be aware of that, that putting too much pressure on this might hurt her more than really any benefit that, that, that is there. So what is her own feeling about what's going on? What does she tell you? She keeps saying she doesn't know. Okay. And um, they have state meet coming because um, their practice kind of time is over. Um, state meet is in exactly a month. Mm-hmm. And she has the feeling like she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my theory for myself is, um, and I want to really say that to her, because she is thinking this would be the last year that she's going to do gymnastics. And she wants to, you know, kind of um, taking it easy because she's going to be going to junior and senior years. And she's doing other sports as well. And um, I want to let her know that at this point of your life, if you think that you're not ready, don't push yourself. Just don't do it. Do whatever you can and then miss out. Like, don't even do well. Uh, But on the other hand, I don't want to discourage her. That's the dilemma I'm Mm -hmm. on right now. And she's thinking she wants to be prepared for a state. But my fear is, and it's true with gymnastics, if you're not mentally, um, like you said, your brain is not commanding you the right way and your muscles won't react the way they should react, you can get easily hurt again. Mm. And I do not want that to happen. But this is my dilemma. I yeah. do not know what to tell her. Yeah. I'm not pushing her at all. On the other hand, I don't want her to be discouraged and say, hey, like, you know, how they feel like they're being a loser because mm. they quit, things like that, to just be discouraging in her own mind. Yeah, well, I think uh, obviously at the end of the day, we're going to let her make the decision. And your role can be support encouragement you know if she wants to talk to you about it but she's going to make the decision and i would let her i can get it it's concerning there's risk of injury which i guess uh almost in any sport there's risk of injury um and there's different types of injury yeah if she hurts her leg i don't like that but i'd be much more concerned of hurting her head you know having a brain some kind of impact there concussion again is not that's more concerning to me um but i think we have to let her make that decision and i wouldn't even tell her this is what I think you're thinking, or this is what's going on. We want to have conversations with her about about what's going on and, and empathize with her. It is scary. There's a lot of pressure. I think sometimes these, these things, they put too much pressure on, on kids and even adults, but kids about these things that m- might not be good. And so I don't know, you know, she's far into it, so it's not that we, and we wouldn't force her out of it. Um, but to give her that space to make that decision, you know, you're not going to make it for her with whatever even I tell you uh, and we talk about today, we're going to let her make the decision and we're just going to talk to her. And you can even say, here's a concern I had or here's something that came to my mind. But we present it as a thought or an idea and then we see what she thinks about it. But we don't want to push too hard on her. Well, I think this is what you're going to feel or this is what's going to happen. And this is why you should do this or that. We got to let her make that, that decision. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Now, I'm not sure I quite got what you meant if this is the last time you meant because then next year she won't be in gymnastics anymore? Yes. She's okay. thinking of leaving gymnastics. Like, this is her last year. Okay. Because she thinks um, she's going to live her best life this summer. 
I'm not sure what that means, but um, <laughs> she doesn't want to be too involved with going to gymnastics because it's indoor and she's completely done with indoor sports and she wants to enjoy life. Of course, with post-COVID, these new thoughts come to her mind a lot. And I don't know how much time you have now that you said we're not making a decision for her. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to present another question if you have sure, any minutes. We have a few minutes. You know, the show will end in about five uh, or six minutes or so. Okay. But just quickly, I'll Sounds say, um, uh, you know, yeah, about that. She wants to live her best life, have a hot girl summer and all the, those good things with, you know, what's coming up. We, and we have to let her make that decision. We could talk to her if we're concerned that she's taking the easy way out for herself. I'm not saying that we think it's the right thing to see what's going on, but we're going to let her decide. And maybe that's another way of her saying that there's too much pressure here in the gymnastics, not just about it being indoor. Maybe it could be that it's too much pressure, like all this stuff and, uh, you know, the stress and not being at the mental block. It, that's a lot that maybe she doesn't want to deal with. So we want to be careful not to say, okay, you don't want to do it, go away from it because sometimes when something is hard, that's actually when we need to push forward, but we definitely can't force her. So, you know, it'll be more about having conversations with her about that and let her make that decision. But again, in the interest of time, you said there's another question. Maybe we can get to that. Um, yes. And the next question relates to um, this coming summer. And I've, um, I'm encouraging her to look into, um, you know, just investing some time in kind of um, getting strong in, um, you know, um, subjects like writing to get her prepared for um, junior and senior years. And um, she says, uh, I don't want to do any anything like that. I want to, again, live my best life. Yeah. Her GPA right now is 4.6 as we're talking. Mm -hmm. But, of course, this year they've been really easy on them because, you know, it was COVID. But she is a straight A's. Should I be concerned about um, this behavior of living her best life and just <laughs> tell her that feel free to do whatever you want if your summer and then be energized and go back to school in September or kind of enforce her to be kind of, um, you know, having a constructed um, schedule for herself to actually do some of the academic thing too well, with it. Yeah, but, you know, we, we have to also look at what does that word constructive means? You know, to you, it's going to mean just academics and doing work. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling from you and that there's a, there's a lot of pressure that you're probably putting on her. Um, and to, so she's resisting that and we're going to have to let her not just make the decisions, but she's going to have to do the work. And so if we're making the, the decisions and pushing her, it won't have the long term benefits. I know um, I've talked about this a lot on my show because I really don't like how competitive uh, getting into undergraduate is for high school students in the United States. I think it's really a big problem. And. Um, they're putting a lot of pressure on them to turn them into these robots that just, you know, fit these boxes that they, you know, grades, APs, extracurriculars, all this stuff. And I think it's really not a good thing. And so um, not to say that I don't want her to go to a good school or whatever it is. I want her to do what she wants to do. But just being aware of putting this pressure, even in the way you're asking the question, I can feel like there's something really wrong with her in the summer not doing academic things when I don't think there necessarily is. Um, I'm not saying she shouldn't or she definitely should, but I think to say that she has to the way that you're talking about it and that you're going to make that decision for her, I don't think is a good idea. We have to let her make that decision. We could talk to her about it again as a conversation, but not as control and not as um, forcing 
her to do that. You know, you're maybe it seems like you're worried she's going to just focus on fun and not focus on anything else. But I, I don't know. How does she do in general? You said her grades were good, but you discounted that by saying you think it's COVID. Um, but if, if she doesn't take it seriously enough, it's not going to make a difference. You can't take it seriously for her. You know, she's going to have to do it. Um, got you. Um, we try not to pressure. It may sound like we're doing it. Uh, we always ask um, her what, what is her interest. She hasn't found it just yet. She says, I That's don't okay. know yeah. what I want to do. She's kind of lost. It could be her age. And a lot oh, of people, yeah. even at a later age, they're still yep. lost. And I totally get it. Um, we ask her if she wants to look into some, uh, you know, internships. Um, and we we were asking what kind of, uh, you know, field you're interested in. Is it math? Is it art? Is it, um, you know, computer science? Things like that. She says, I have no idea. I haven't figured it yeah, out. Yeah, and So I think I, the best I, way is yeah. for us to leave it like that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, I'll tell you my feeling is I feel a pressure in how you're talking about these things. So it's not that I'm saying you're explicitly or you're being really punitive or putting her down, but I feel an anxiety in, in this um, of course, you're going to care about it, but we have to be aware that she's going to feel your anxiety about do this, picking an internship, what field. It's okay. She doesn't know. Even if she tells you, I want to do computer science, it doesn't mean she's going to do computer science. So I would give her more space in, in all of these things. I'm sure you care a lot, but sometimes when we care a lot, we might try to do too much rather than you care a lot, but it doesn't mean you have to do so much. Sometimes we do too much. It actually, my experience is pressure pushes and crushes our kids it doesn't push them forward encouragement and support again it's a gray area where do we cross that line but that's what our mindset we want to make sure it's never between forcing it's about supporting if they want it um, it seems like she's saying you know mom I want a little space both in like just not doing gymnastics and enjoying her summer um, but in general we're gonna need that she's gonna get herself wherever she's gonna go and if she doesn't want to go there, she won't go there no matter what you do. So um, I would be aware of the feeling I'm getting is of a lot of pressure and anxiety um, that we want to be mindful of that. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Nice talking I'll take to your you. Advice. Okay, great speaking with you. Have a great day. You too. All right, take care. That brings us to the end of today's show. As always, a big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulak. We have a wonderful day. Thank you.